Hi, I'm Robert Rivera. Welcome to another episode of Mixed Take, a World Outspoken podcast where we discuss film, television, entertainment, representation, and why we think it's worthy of deeper conversations. And I'm Danielle Isaia. Today is a special episode as we talk about the Netflix movie, Tick, Tick, Boom. Boom! Hey! Now, two standout things about this film are that, one, uh, this is the directorial debut of Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is a Pulitzer Prize, Grammy, Emmy, Tony Award-winning composer, lyricist, actor, and now director. Uh, Lin-Manuel is the creator and original star of Broadway's Hamilton and In the Heights. The other standout thing about this film, Tick, Tick, Boom, is that this is the story of Jonathan Larson, who is the writer of the hit Broadway musical Rent. So without further ado, lights, camera, action. All right, Donnie, we're able to uh, check out this flick. Tick, tick, boom. And we came out with some thoughts. I mean, it's, as you have already described, this film is kind of a retelling of the story of Jonathan Larson, the writer, director of the musical Rent, Mm -hmm. and kind of his struggles, right? Getting to the place where he was recognized in Broadway. Right. One of the things that I appreciate about this film is that you and I both kind of walked away feeling very differently about the film. So I'm excited to like dig into that part. Another thing that I'm excited about is for our listeners, we actually were able to interview Robin de Jesus, who plays the role of Michael, essentially the, in the film, um, he's John's, the main character's best friend. And so you'll be able to hear that interview in just a couple of minutes, but first we're going to delve into our thoughts on the film and then we'll, we'll hop into our interview with Robin. No, definitely. Donnie, what stands out to you as some of the good parts of this movie? Yeah, I think the storytelling of the resilience of having, you know, facing opposition and then pushing through. So these are artists, creatives, writers, they, you know, put their heart out there and allow the world to judge it. And so I think any artist, any entertainer that does that is just, you know, an incredibly brave individual. So I appreciated this story in that it gave us a glimpse into what artists go through, everything from like how their art takes a toll on things like relationships and the people around them, on their jobs and their finances, and then even on their own mental health. So for that reason, I really enjoyed certain aspects of the film. How about you? I I know there's a lot that you liked. Yeah, I was I was laying in bed and all I could think about was tick, 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 tick. It was funny. When we were waiting to interview Robin, at one point you messaged, you're like, tick, tick to, to yeah. me. And I was like, man, that's so appropriate. Yeah. But what did you, what did you. You know what? I like, I like your points there. Really at the, at the core of this movie, it really is about the struggle. The reality is making something great takes hard work. Yeah. It takes a lot of resilience. It takes rejection. So in the movie, he, Jonathan Larson is this guy who can basically come up with a song on the spot about anything, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he could take a cup of coffee and start singing about it. And for that reason, many people thought he'd be a great jingle writer. Right. But he had these greater 
aspirations, these goals of becoming a Broadway or writing a Broadway musical. And he had this, this Broadway musical, Mm -hmm. but he kept getting the same feedback that one of the characters needed this song that would transition, you know, kind of shift the narrative in the play and the play is lacking without this one song. Mm -hmm. And in, throughout the entire movie, he is struggling to write the one song. And so we're not supposed to really give away so much in our review here per request of, you know, the studio and things, but we're watching him and asking the question, is he going to come up with this hit song? And if he does, then, you know, what's going to be the inspiration? What is it going to look like? So I really, I enjoyed watching him throughout the whole movie as he's Mm. trying to come up with this hit song. And you're and you're talking about John, the main actor. I'm talking about John, the main actor, played and, by and throughout... uh, Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield, yes. Okay, okay. Yes, and like I said, he's having a hard time writing this one song, but throughout the whole movie, he's on the spot coming up with songs about other things randomly. Yeah. And so that's great. There's some, I think, visually, it looked like Lin Manuel uh, Lin Manuel Miranda took his cue from John M. Chu. In mm-hmm. some scenes, there's a pool scene oh, right, um, in right. the trailers where Andrew Garfield's character jumps into the water, and the lines of the pool underneath, you know, underneath the surface become a music sheet, and mm-hmm. he starts to see notes coming like inspiration. alive. Yeah. Inspiration, yes. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny. Personally, I thought Andrew Garfield was was great. I thought he was funny in this. I thought he was charming. I know we talked a little bit before about his vocals. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, the thing about Andrew Garfield, obviously he's a very talented actor. I thought, though, his performance was so over the top, and probably because that's what it's supposed to be, as this is a story about a Broadway writer, a Broadway play playwright. So, I, you know, it kind of makes sense, like, this over-the-top thing. However, there were certain things in the film that I was like, oh, that would work in a play on Broadway because then you have like the community laughter and like the, there's some like cheesy things or whatever. Um, but I don't know, some something about it being on a film just didn't work for me, didn't click for me. I was like wanting to like his performance. I wanted to love his performance, but it was just like, ah, this feels so Broadway and not Hollywood that there was just for me a disconnect. Yeah, what note about the struggle of coming up with something great? Obviously, he, he'd been working on this original production. I forget what it was even called. Uh, oh, yeah. the spa- It was something about like spaceships uh, or aliens yeah. or something. I forget. I'm going to kick myself. I'll remember later. Um, and he's working on it for eight years. He's working on this thing for eight years. And at the end of the day, we don't know him for that, you know. Mm for mm-hmm. that play. And yeah. so it's a, just a reminder, like you just got to keep, keep moving. Maybe the thing that you've worked on for years is not the thing. Right. It is just the thing that will prepare you for the next great thing. Yeah. Also, I think there was a quote about show business and it said, uh, it was something to the effect of like writing a play or, or writing a musical is like having a colonoscopy in times square. <laughs> right. But instead of finding out that you have cancer, you find out that you're dead, you know, depending on the, Right. The, the reaction of, of, of yeah. exactly of the masses. So yeah. again, I thought that it did a great job talking about how difficult the industry is and how cutthroat it is and mm-hmm. how people can love you and yet still not want to back you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So 
what one other thing I, I just have to say about this film that that I wasn't super impressed by the vocals. I I wasn't a big fan of some of the vocal selections. Vanessa Hudgens is in this film. Again, we mentioned Andrew Garfield. She was in a musical before, right? In I think she was in something? like high school, <laughs> high school musical, right? Okay. <laughs> high school musical. Yeah, oh, right, right. Name. I don't remember the name of it, but she was in a high school musical. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. So obviously, you know, like there's lots of history and whatever with her musicality. For this film, I don't know. It just did not hit for me. I, again, yeah. I really wanted it to. And the standout for me was two people. Alexandra Ship, who plays uh, Susan, the love interest of John, and Robin de Jesus, who plays uh, Michael, John's best friend. I thought both of their vocals were just absolutely outstanding. But yeah. everybody else in the film, I was just like, ah, it was it was just okay to me. No, I, I think I would agree with you there. Yeah. I know you had mentioned, Donnie, like right away, how you felt. You, you thought that this would be better maybe on stage? Oh, yeah, on Broadway for sure. But again, because of those like over the top stuff like that, it's just on Broadway, certain things work and films, they don't. This just doesn't translate. And I love both. I love film and I love Broadway. I love live theater, but I get the differences. And this film felt again like, oh, it needs to be on a stage. Absolutely. It was a lot like Robin de Jesus was in another film called The Boys in the Band. And that one started as a play and then they made a movie out of it. But even the movie felt very like it was a play. And so this film felt very much the same. Like it was something made for Broadway. They created a film out of it, but didn't quite hit the mark on how to create enough distinctions between a play and a movie for it to feel different than what I would go to New York and see. Well, I was invested in the story. I liked it. I would definitely recommend it. And we differ on Andrew Garfield. I think, though, where we don't differ is with Robin de Jesus. Oh, I think, we, he, I think we're yeah. both in agreement that his performance was was really good. He was the ride or die. Mm-hmm. I felt like he was that friend that would never abandon his buddy. You know, even yeah. if they have, even if there is, there are some of those issues in the relationship. He is not a person that will completely ever walk away. Yeah. I would say I felt really connected to his character because like you said, he was like super loyal, but he was also the dude that was just like, I need to get some, I need to get this done. So it was like, whatever it takes, you know, if I have to work a nine to five or whatever, like I'm going to do what I got to do to live my best life. And if this thing that was my initial path isn't giving me the same joy Like he was the star actor all through college and then he gets to New York and it's like, you're just another fish in the ocean. Whereas in high school and college, you're, you know, a shark, you know, you just stand (laughs) out so much. So I just really appreciated that it was like he was willing to pivot and do something else and still kind of stay true to who he was. And, And then again, his vocal talent. You know, he's got Tony nominations for just about everything he's done in Broadway. So he is such a a talent and a standout. So how about you? What do you like about his performance? Like I said earlier, I think his charisma was was amazing. I just, I like the character. I like that friend. He seemed believable. You know, honestly, 
after time, after we interviewed him, I, I thought, oh, he's kind of playing himself in a lot of ways. <laughs> he brought all the sofrito to the role. He, he was like, so much flavor, so much flair, so much fun. And he's got like a million dollar smile. Like just such a cool, sweet, awesome dude. Liked him yeah. a lot. All right. So do we want to jump into his interview? Yeah, let's do that. Hey, before we go into the interview, a uh, real quick warning. This interview is uncut and unfiltered, allowing Robin to express himself without restrictions. Conversation contains explicit language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Yeah, so Mommy, if you're listening, he's going to swear a little bit. So (laughs) if you're not cool with that, just FYI, don't listen to the interview. Okay. Love you, Mom. So, hey, Robin, my name is Dani Alicea, and my co-host is Robert Rivera. Together, we work on a project called Mixtake, where we provide a mixtake on entertainment. We're based in Chicago, both Boricua, so we're hey. so excited. Hey, what's up? So we are so excited just to talk to you about your experience, this amazing film. Rob, I'll let you kick it off. Oh, yeah. You know, I just have one quick question. This has been uh, uh, killing me all night. Uh, what would you do with 96,000? Would hey. you finally fix housing? What would I do? Would I what? Would you finally fix housing? I mean, 96,000 <laughs> not going to fix nothing. That was the whole point of the movie. It was like we out here thinking 96,000 going to save the world when you realize that's barely a down payment. Oh, man. <laughs> you, you know what? It, it's interesting because um, I look at, at In the Heights, I look at uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, and I see you in the movies combating stereotypes and ignorances of the Latino community. Have you seen a progression or, you know, in the industry since, since that time period? I mean, okay. I do think that there's this thing where like, especially in the past couple of years where a couple of folks with good intentions and with some consciousness have decided to listen more that they've accepted like, Ooh, Maybe the, you know, white supremacy has given me these blind spots that I didn't clock and I need to do a little better. And so I think there've been a few people that we've brung over, but like not enough to have that big, big shift that we need. And I think part of the issue is that people think diversity looks like one thing. So like, and this gets a little more nuanced and, and complicated and I think people can mis. I gotta make sure I choose my wording right so that it's not harmful and so that people won't take it the wrong way. But like when you look at black folks that have been here for so long and are deserving of so much, you know, it's like we gotta give them, we gotta give them their opportunity, their space, and their flowers. But we also have to understand that like black folks have that because they deserve it. And they've been here a long time and they've contributed to the to how this 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 nation was was made it was fertilized with the bodies of indigenous folks and then created by black hands right so give them that space but now diversity means there's all these other folks also that identify in different ways that should also be brought in so it's not about just this one lane that we all got to fight for it's a multi-lane highway And white supremacy keeps wanting to make us think that it looks a certain way. And white supremacy also wants us to think that we have to compete with folks in the other lanes. Because the biggest thing about white supremacy, the, the, the power of white supremacy is white supremacy in thought, not in physical presence. It is like 
the things in the back of your your head that just creep up in like shadow type of ways. I don't know if that makes sense. I hope it does. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. So I didn't mean, well, let me oh, just say I didn't I didn't, I didn't yeah. mean to come out you know with a hard hitting question right away. But congrats on the film. Thank it was, you. It was a delight. It was a lot of fun. Just really enjoyed it a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you. But since we on the deep end of the pool, Dale. Hmm. Okay, so representation in Hollywood, one of the things that Rob and I are always looking for is exactly what you're talking about, this diversity. It's a perspective, kind of like looking into a prism. It's so many different angles. It looks, you know, has so many different nuances. And the power of your storytelling ability, I am so proud of. I am proud of how excellent you are. You know, you started in Connecticut moved up to Broadway and now on a worldwide platform is the moon the next stop for you is <laughs> honestly I just want to own land back in PR and work you know that's what I want I want to work I want to do good work I want to you know contribute as much as I possibly can to the culture and and give my most become like the most good I can possibly be and center the collective that is all of us because this like what we do is not natural like fame is not supposed to be a human experience and listen i'll take it because that should come with mad privileges that i would like to experience like i want that but there is a may i curse yeah <laughs> there's a mind fuckery that comes with right. this business and so like it's like we're always trying to find ways to tether us mm -hmm. and i feel like for me the last couple of years what's allowed me to to discover my sustainability is constantly remembering a the ancestors the accumulation it took for me to get to this place now the fact that you know my parents are were factory workers they didn't get to finish high school you know my dad had to leave school and work the farm in puerto rico by middle school you know i have relatives that are, are literate that they didn't they didn't get to have those privileges and now i'm number two on the call sheet in a film that Lin-Manuel is directing for Netflix starring Andrew Garfield and that Steven wrote, it, it's just like, it, it's so crazy. There is something to clocking like, oh, no, 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 Papito. You got a job to do and you're not just doing it for you. It's about right. other people as well. And, and there's something about that that like, I know it sounds noble, but I know now being in this business 20 years is not about nobility. Is that for me, that's my spiritual sustainability and so i need to when i find myself spiraling i need to make sure i come back to that intention and that reminder and that centering yeah it's vida for you it's like your life it's life vida, vida. Sí. Yeah. yeah it's it's life-giving yeah absolutely absolutely wow. wow okay so you've worked with lin-manuel a couple of times it seems like you guys are of the same accord on the same mission here how did this connection happen for this movie for this movie, I mean, Lynn and I go back a few years, like you said. I knew that man before I lost my virginity. I knew that. <laughs> I knew him before I was 21 years old, you know? And, and I auditioned for Lynn all the time. We, I've, I've worked for him and like little things here and there. But there was something about this when, when, the, when the script came my way in the scenes where I was like, ooh, like arroque carne hay for me. Because I'm, I'm used to being looked past. I'm not used to people seeing me in a full-bodied way. And I had been looking for a very specific role next. And this really matched that. And then it just so happened that it, it just so happened that it happened to be for my boy. But I also knew that I had to earn it and audition for it. Cause in my mind, it was like, yo, they gonna offer it to Drake. 
You know, like they go, somebody, somebody, you know, that's like really, really popping is going to come in and grab this moment. So I just, I went in and I was like, I'm going to just do me because I feel like I have nothing to lose. And I saw Lynn a week after he saw my tape and he had had a little drink. And he goes, and he goes, oh my God, your tape is so fucking good. You're going to be in this movie. And my eyes were like. Wait, wait, are you offering me the role? And he realized, <laughs> oh shit, I wasn't supposed to say that. He yeah. said, no, 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 what, 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 what I mean is that, um, um, that you're, you're, I don't know if it's gonna be Michael, but like, you're gonna be in it in some capacity. Um, and I was like, oh, oh, okay. I think this, this might happen. And, and when it did happen, it was just cool because I knew what an opportunity it was and I knew what he was giving me. And I knew that I deserved that shit. Mm-hmm. So you said you were looking for a particular role in the movie, at one point, John is told, write about what you know. Do you feel like you act about what you know? Like, is do you have particular stories that are important for you to tell? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I do try to be as intentional as possible. Because if I don't set my, in, my intentions, then I do. <laughs> I'm a wander aimlessly, you know? So for me, with this specifically, I knew I wanted a role that felt more tethered. I knew that I wanted a role that was more grounded because everything else I had done is, is, is just big and larger than life and great. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to diversify my own shit. Yeah. And I do often, obviously, we go into these worlds that we don't really know. But I do use what happens in my actual life, the parallels of that to sort of just like lock in a certain emotions or, or like analogies within my life, you know. So, yeah, so I do use my real life and my real stories or my family stories. And also because like. I think for years, we thought as Latinos, we don't want nobody to, we want to be able to play anything, any race, any whatever, whatever. And there's a part of me that years later was like, that shit was white supremacy too. Absolutely. <laughs> like, but oh, why? But oh, why? Write us into the films as Latinos. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we need to see ourselves. White people mm-hmm. get to play white people and nobody, and like, only white. <laughs> and they get to be good actors. Why can't we do that shit? Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, you know, this movie will, I think, discourage anybody who's not serious about show business, right? Before they walk in, this movie lets you know right off the bat, this is hard. You may Hmm. be auditioning for a long time. You may be writing for a long time. How much of of your own life is poured into, your own experiences are poured into that message that, that we're getting in this film? Well, I'll tell you this. The movie is about this man navigating his relationship with creativity and what he wants from life and you know do i quit do i stay in this like is this working out for me right and for me i was going through a really really rough period prior to the movie where my ego was disrupting my creativity where i found myself having these mini panic attacks and it was happening on set and it had been happening for a minute and it was just a lot of work for me to get to that place where i could just allow spirit to show up I knew that I knew that it, it was it wasn't good for me. And, and, and in that there were moments where I was like, do I got to peace out? Like, can I do this? And thankfully, I did have a, a really, really sobering moment that helped me figure out how it is I need to navigate the shit in this business. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. And how hard that must be. Ego is holy smokes. Ego I mean, you know, like you, you start to get puffed up a little bit and it's like, oh, you know, the, then the rabbit trails can start. 
Uh, well, and it's also because we know that there's a certain level of confidence and an ability to take up a certain amount of space that we have to have in these in this business. But then there's like this thing where like we go the other way, like way, 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 way too far. And the ego likes to act like it's protecting you, and which, which is its job, you know, like it, it, it's, it's what gets you to participate in life and to not just give up and lay on the couch all day. But then like that whole sometimes want to get itself involved in places where it doesn't need to be involved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, 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 it's, an, it's an eager worker. Yeah. So Michael, at one point in the film, he says to John, and no spoilers will be given in this this interview. Um, but Michael, at one point, he talks about the difference of fear and love. And he asks John, are you acting out of or are you making certain choices out of fear or out of love? Do you find as you're choosing your roles, as you na- you're navigating, you know, the last 20 years of, of creativity, are you trying to be motivated more so by love or do you default to fear sometimes? Tell us oh, about your journey, you know, just in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean that. It, 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 there's ups, there's peaks and valleys in all of that. I, I do feel like lately I have a, a more systemic understanding of of how it is that I need to function healthily, right? But but it creeps up in lots of ways, and it's all about what tools do I have to help me call it out sooner. Mm-hmm. As opposed to letting it accumulate to the point where then I'm really, really, really spiraling. And so it's about language for me. It's about breath. It's about am I listening to myself? And also, like, the thing that I don't know why it took me forever to, or recently, there was an absence of this that I was so happy to bring back because it's the thing that got me involved in this business when I was a kid was, like, the fun, the joy. Like, I started doing plays. It's called play. Why am I not playing? (laughs) (laughs) It's the fun. It's like, it, 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 there has to be some levity in all this. It's, it's, it, there, there, there's so much weight and heaviness that it's like, okay, ¿qué vamos a hacer para disfrutar? <laughs> oh, man. You know what? So as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, this is, it's very creative in terms of the writing, the direction, all of it. I really appreciated the casting, especially the casting of, of your character alongside of Andrew Garfield, your chemistry is so good. Had you guys worked together in the past or how did that happen? I mean, you guys are so believable as best friends. I mean, I felt mm-hmm. like you guys were ride or dies. Thank you. No, I think Andrew and I, we didn't know each other beforehand, but Andrew and I, we clocked the first week of rehearsals that there's the love story with his girlfriend, Susan, and there's the love story with his best friend, Michael. Mm-hmm. And there was something about labeling it that, that just went, like, and the ability for me a, a, as a queer Latino man to like hold his straight face, <laughs> to hold that, that, that straight white man's face and just, and tether him and cool him, you know? And that that, that intimacy is not sexual in any way. And it's weird because I almost feel like not everyone clocks it because it's so organic. Like that not everyone's, or, or some people are having it happen after the fact. They're like, oh wait, I've never seen that before. Mm. And I think he, he and I knew that that was important. And also Andrew's someone who has a gay community in his life. He, he is involved. And so he knows that he does have those relationships. There's no, there was never a moment of like, oh, this mother flower is being real homophobic right now. No, that, that wasn't an issue at all. If anything, it was, that was actually really beautifully easy. Y'all made it look easy. <laughs> right, sure. Thank you. Okay, so can you give us a little sneak peek? Because you've been in these two big worlds, Broadway, Hollywood. What are some of the big differences? What do you enjoy about each of the worlds? When you're in one world, what do you miss about the other? I guess what I miss about Broadway is 
it, to me, Broadway always feels like a more intimate community. There is because it's because we're we're always in the room together with with filmmaking. It's like everyone's in their corners. You do sometimes you make a movie and you never see an actor that's in the movie. Mm -hmm. Whereas in theater, it's like there's a village mentality to it, mm -hmm. and so that that that's what I love. It, it it becomes family a little more quickly than with filmmaking, yeah. but I don't know. It's so I I actually kind of stopped comparing the two to be honest. Because for so long in the comparisons, I started creating rules that weren't serving me. Mm. And so I'm just like, what's the character? Mm. <laughs> what are the, where, where, where's the meat on the bone? And, and, and yeah. that's always a good place for me to, set, to start. Yeah. So what do you see as next for you? What, what are the projects that are coming up? What would you like to be working on as we yeah. follow your career, which we will be? What yeah. are the types of stories that we can expect to see from you? Of course, I mean, I was supposed to do a couple plays and now they didn't work out. So I'm on the hunt because I really want to play. But I'm I'm one of the voices on this really cool show that Nikki Lopez wrote called Sebastian of the Seas. It's a kid's show on Nickelodeon. Oh, cool. Um, and it's really dope because it's about a little pirata, a little Puerto Rican pirate, a boy with his pet coqui and they travel to the Caribbean. And I play like one of the villains on the show. <laughs> but he's one of those, but it's really cool because he's one of those villains that's more like, He's mischievous and still lovable. He's not just like a, gotcha. a bad spirit. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's really beautiful and I'm really digging it. My best friend, Dominic Colon is an actor and a writer and like my non-sexual life partner. And <laughs> he, Dominic's doing his thing, writing a lot of stuff. And I, I just feel like I'd be happy even just like going through his Rolodex of his properties. Oh, <laughs> he, I love it. he wrote this beautiful play called The War I Know. Mm -hmm. that we're we want to put out that we're trying to figure out when we're going to do and it's it's the first play of a trilogy um that's centering black and brown folks and women in the hiv health crisis and the aids epidemic in the 80s mm -hmm. during the aughts and covid because there was such an there was such an erasure from the gay white community that it was like how about all these other folks who also went through mad shit because of who were forgotten. And for me, it's also because I'm embarrassed to say this because I never clocked it on uh, until like a few months ago. I was doing a Q&A after a reading of the play and Dominic said, people forget that as gay Latinos, we lost our elders. We didn't have guidance and mentorship. Like we've been, a lot of us have been flailing because we didn't have anybody to look up to in that way. And so like now doing Tick Tick and boys, it's like, how lucky am I that I can model that? And I, and I don't mean for that to sound like egoic. I just mean that I get to participate, that I get to be in right. the conversation and there's many of us. And I, I, I just hope that that like, that us, the people who will eventually become the elders can always remember the collective and not let our egos involved, but that we, that we remember that it is our job to pay it forward, to pass it down. That like when, when I enter that door, I'm leaving it open. That I make sure that when I get the job in that Broadway show, that's about a Latino story and the creative team is all white when they gave me the offer, that I go, no, we can't do that. No se puede. That's not acceptable anymore. The goalpost changed. It's moved. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, Robin, thank you so much for, for taking time out. Uh, that was that was delightful. We love the, the film. We are uh, looking forward to 
what's next and uh, checking out that cartoon, right, Donnie? Word, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much, Papi. And yeah. uh, again, we're going to follow your career closely. We're so excited for what's next. Thank you. Bendiciones. Thank you. What an enjoyable conversation. That was good. With Robin. You know, the heart of our show is really felt throughout the entire conversation that we had with him. And is one of the reasons why we do this is to shed light on the need for more black and brown storytellers, more actors and artists telling our stories sharing our feelings and Robin the Jesus is doing exactly that. I absolutely, again, just so thoroughly enjoyed our conversation with him. Yeah, definitely. I, he seems like a, a guy who's a lot of fun and um, I'm always rooting for the person who, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to demean those who are on Broadway. I mean, that that's a huge accomplishment already, of course, yes. but just taking it to the next level and, and doing what you love on the silver screen, yeah. voicing, Mm -hmm. cartoon characters and the other things that he's doing um, are pretty exciting. And I always, mm -hmm. I always find a joy when I, when I see people elevating their, their career. When you, when you said it was so much fun, it really was so fun talking with him. I literally wanted to be like, Bobby, anytime you're in Chicago, you got family here. Like Robin, I got you. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Like we, we got you a hundred percent. So, you know what? I was also I also appreciated like a lot of his thoughts resonate with what we're trying to mm -hmm. really highlight on the show in terms of bringing attention to different cultures, diversity, and representation, and all those things are are really his heart as well as he is. You know, he talked about being selective with roles that he picks and mm -hmm. and really wanting to express himself in in that way. So I do appreciate that some perspectives that are not my perspectives, but I really appreciate hearing them and trying to understand mm -hmm. and learning. So in a lot of ways, very insightful. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I, I jived with a lot of what he said. So it was like, ah, oh, absolutely loved hearing um, his perspective from a more like in the theater realm, in the industry realm, like he gets to see what happens behind the curtains. We as film goers, as, as film watchers or movie goers, we see it from our vantage point and he sees it from his vantage point. So I was like, oh, so interesting that we're coming to the same conclusions, you know, like, ah, this is a need. We need to see more representation. We need to, again, see more storytelling. So absolutely loved it. To our listeners, thank you for joining us on this episode of Mixed Take. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us five stars on wherever you tune into your podcasts. Also head over to world.spoken.com, a site preparing the Mestizo Church for cultural change, where you'll find information on things like consulting services, thought-provoking blog posts, and other great podcasts such as The Feature, Questions from the Pew, and the one and only Mestizo Podcast, the show for the mixed people of the mixed church. You can also make a donation to help us expand the ministry of the Mestizo Church your donation allows us to create content, train leaders, and develop partnerships around the world. And one quick note about questions from the Pew. They recently interviewed Russell Moore. And if you don't know who Russell Moore is, he's a big name in the evangelical circles in terms of speaking out and being an advocate for social justice and speaking about justice issues. He recently walked away from the Southern Baptist Convention, but has a huge voice and 
So that's pretty cool that they were able to land an interview with him. So check out that episode as well. Special thanks to our producer, Michelle Perez, also to Emmanuel Padilla and the World Outspoken crew. We hope you join us again as we continue to dive into the world of culture influencing content creators. And until next time, cut. It's a wrap.